Previously on Mac and the Movies. On the doubt side, many filmmakers have used the title Night of the Living Dead for their own films. I don't think I need to tell you that a lot of these films just absolutely suck. You better believe I'll have an episode dedicated to these sad sacks who show that lack of originality is a problem in the indie world as well as the studio system. Folks, Mackenzie Lambert here, your host for Mac and the Movies, where we look at everything from art house to grindhouse to sometimes even the outhouse. And today is mostly going to be the outhouse. Unfortunately, or fortunately for those who love it when I review terrible movies, this will be a Knights of the Living Dead centric installment. For this episode, I'll be comparing aspects between the original movie and the 1990 remake directed by Tom Savini. Dare I say this remake will be the best movie I'm looking at today? Most of the other films, frankly, aren't worth your time. The other films on the docket include Night of the Living Dead 3D, Night of the Living Dead 3D Reanimation, Night of the Living Dead Darkest Dawn, Night of the Living Dead Resurrection. I'll close out with mini-reviews of Night of the Living Dead Animated, the 30th Anniversary Edition of Night of the Living Dead, and Night of the Living Dead Rescored. God, that's a lot of Night of the Living Dead. All right, let's go ahead and dive right into the movies. We got movies!
the Night of the Living Dead Tom Savini-directed remake had multiple purposes. The trio of George Romero, Russ Streiner, and John Russo wanted to remake the film as a means to celebrate the anniversary of the original. They also wanted to try to make up for some of the losses due to the copyright mishap that cost them out on millions, and at this point, billions in profits, royalties, and other such dues owed to them. I thought it would be interesting to put both films side by side and see which film did what more effectively. I'm not going to tally up the scores because I think both films are very good. You may agree or disagree with my views uh, on these elements of the film. Tell me your thoughts in the comments or on social media. This is one I'm curious to read or hear about your feedback. The elements of the film I'll be looking at include the characters, zombies and makeup, the music score, and the dialogue. The first aspect of the film for evaluation, the characters. The characters I'm focusing on are Ben, Barbara, Harry Cooper, Helen Cooper, Tom, Judy, and Johnny. Karen Cooper won't be discussed because she herself doesn't figure heavily into the film. Harry Cooper and Helen Cooper are the ones who emphasize her importance. For starters, let's look at Ben, played by Dwayne Jones and Tony Todd. Dwayne Jones as Ben was the innovator, one of the first significant black characters in not just horror film, but in film in general. He strong-willed, stands his ground against Harry Cooper, but he comes off as half-hearted in his scenes with Barbara. He loses his cool when she stands still in the kitchen shortly after his arrival. When Barbara tells her story to him, he shows little to no interest, does nothing to calm her down leading to him slapping her, incapacitating her. Tony Todd as Ben has similar qualities to Jones's Ben. Todd isn't afraid to go toe-to-toe with Harry Cooper. He has his own motivations. In the very beginning, when he first meets Barbara, he's frustrated and impatient, yet he shows more humility to Barbara. When they dispatch the zombies in the farmhouse, he consoles her. He tries to comfort her. With all due respect to Dwayne Jones, Tony Todd shows the compassion and sympathy that character needs for the audience to connect with. His Ben is more philosophical. Jones's Ben tells what he saw. Todd's Ben tries to find a meaning or a better understanding of what is happening. The next character to look at will be Barbara, played by Judith O'Day and Patricia Tallman. Judith O'Day as Barbara was a product of the time. It was common for women to be presented as helpless. O'Day's Barbara is borderline catatonic until the near end when she finally tries to help keep the ghouls out. Tolman's Barbara was also a product of the time. When that movie released, we previously saw the likes of Linda Hamilton's Sarah Connor, Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley, we also had Pam Greer and Cynthia Rothrock. That take on the character fits this movie. She also has a real arc, which Judith O'Day really didn't. Tallman, to me, was the better Barbara. Harry Cooper is handled differently by both Carl Hardman and Tom Tolles. Hardman, as Cooper, convinced me that he actually cared about his daughter, which partly fueled his stance that the basement was the safest place. Hardman played Cooper as an antagonist, not a villain. When we first meet him, we don't hate him. We may disagree with him, but we don't hold a lot of animosity. Tom Tolles plays Harry Cooper as a straight-up heel. 
right from the get-go, you absolutely hate Tolls as Cooper, and he does nothing that would make him relatable, nor does anything to endear himself to the audience. We don't see him showing concern for his daughter until the very end. He gets physical with Barbara, which is the tipping point. Hardman, for me, was the better Harry Cooper. Marilyn Eastman and McKee Anderson donned the role of Helen Cooper. Eastman showed a great deal of range. She showed compassion, strength, and just wanted for everyone to make it through the night. A voice of altruism. More so than Barbara, she was a true tragedy, being murdered by her own child. I don't remember McKee Anderson doing anything remotely close to the quality of work that Eastman does in the original uh, McKee Anderson, the actress who plays Helen Cooper in the 1990 remake. Marilyn Eastman was way better and did way more as Helen Cooper. Keith Wayne and Judith Ridley were Tom and Judy in the original, while William Butler and Kate Finneran were Tom and Judy in the 1990 remake. Wayne and Ridley were the better duo. I could believe them as a young couple in love, and they didn't have the redneck stereotype that Butler and Finneran had. Wayne and Ridley played the role with geographical ambiguity. Butler and Finneran belong in a Rob Zombie movie, not in Night of the Living Dead. All right, and the last character we are looking at is Johnny. Russ Streiner played him in the original while Bill Mosley was in the 1990 remake. Streiner gave Johnny an everyman quality, then gradually turned into the teasing brother. He gave us the iconic line, They're coming to get you, Barbara. Another notable element, I was sad when Johnny got killed. Bill Mosley as Johnny was an insufferable asshole. Right from the beginning, he's teasing Barbara, making crude jokes, and his death was obviously a dummy. At least with Striner, his death was edited, and we saw it was him with his head bashed on the gravestone. But the dummy took me right out of the moment. Striner was the better Johnny and had the better death. Now let's move on to the zombies and makeup effects. The original had fresh human-looking zombies, which fit with the notion that it was the recently dead coming back to life to attack the living. The makeup effects were minimal. The original film was supposed to have Tom Savini do the makeup, but he was called to serve in Vietnam as a combat photographer. Thankfully, that allowed production to focus on the shots and capturing the action. With Tom Savini at the helm for the 1990 remake, you know the effects and zombies are going to be top-notch. There was no shortage of memorable zombies. The autopsy zombie, Uncle Reg, the thin, bald window zombie, uh, the zombie with the doll, the junkie zombie, Mr. Magruder, the truck zombie. So many great and creepy-looking zombies. This is no contest. The 1990 remake had the superior makeup effects and the more memorable zombies. The music offerings are very different between the two films. The original was a collection of library tracks. The 1990 remake had an ambient music score by Paul McCulloch. Between the two, the library music proves to be more memorable compared to the score by McCulloch. And I've heard the library music in other media, Ren and Stimpy being the base example, frequently used tracks from that same library. McCulloch's score had a great end theme, but the rest of the score is very basic. The original had the better music. Lastly, there is the dialogue. The original just had one classic after another. Not just a classic line from Johnny, but you also have, you can be the boss down there, I'm boss up here, 
I ought to drag you out there and feed you to those things. You know, the, and then, of course, there's uh, the coroner on the news uh, at the news station. In the cold room at the university, uh, we had a cadaver, a cadaver from uh, which all four limbs had been amputated. Sometime early this morning, it opened its eyes and began to move its trunk. It was dead, but it opened its eyes and tried to move. And who can forget this amazing interview? Put that thing all the way in the fire. We don't want it getting up again. All right, I got you. Chief, Chief McClellan, how's everything going? Oh, things aren't going too bad. Men are taking it pretty good. You want to get on the other side of the road over there? Chief, do you think we'll be able to defeat these things? Well, we killed 19 of them today right in this area. Those last three we caught trying to claw their way into an abandoned shed. They must have thought somebody was in there. There wasn't, though. We heard them making all kind of noise. We came over and beat them off, blasted them down. Yeah, okay. Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't, get yourself a club or a torch. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. Well, Chief McClellan, how long do you think it will take you until you get the situation under control? Well, that's pretty hard to say. We don't know how many of them there are. We know when we find them, we can kill them. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Such great dialogue, and a lot of it was improvised. The remake has its share of lines, you know, Ben's monologue in front of the fireplace, Barbara's uh, stand when the zombies are starting to assault the house, Harry Cooper calling everybody yo-yos. There's no arguing the original lines had the greater longevity and are still quoted in other media. The remake, not so much. All right, uh, to round up the comparisons, I would say the original had the better Harry Cooper, Helen Cooper, Tom and Judy, Johnny, music and dialogue. The 1990 remake definitely had the better Ben, Barbara, zombies and makeup. Is one movie better than the other? Uh, For me, no. They're both very effective with their own strengths and weaknesses. and Johnny arrive at a cemetery for a family funeral. Suddenly, they're attacked by zombies. Johnny runs away and drives off without Barbara. She runs to a nearby funeral home only to see more zombies and the funeral director, Gerald Tovar Jr., suggesting she leave the property immediately. 
As night falls, Barbara is attacked by more zombies. Out of nowhere, a biker, who turns out to be Ben, arrives and knocks down the zombies. She hops on and they both escape. They arrive at the farm of the Coopers. At first, the Coopers are reluctant to believe Barbara. Soon, zombies are assaulting the farmhouse. Shortly after, Tovar arrives. When the house is overrun, Ben, Barbara, and Tovar are the only ones left. Then, things take a turn for the bizarre. For being a 3D movie, quote-unquote, the only 3D thing I saw was the credits. The 3D is so unremarkable, I can't even recall a single sequence that used it well or just used it, period. Night of Living Dead 3D refers itself as in reimagining, and boy does it change a lot in an attempt to not rehash the same exact story. In this film, Ben is white, which immediately sends up red flags. You take one of the most significant black characters, not just horror film, but film in general, and you make him white, then you make him a drug dealer. That comes off as extremely tone deaf. And then there are the Coopers. The film has Ben be their peddler. Harry Cooper is the head of a pot-growing farm and is presented as a rube. This is a complete 180 to the middle-class family man he was in the original film. The character of Gerald Tovar Jr. believes he is resurrecting the dead by not cremating them. He has allowed the number of the dead to grow over the past weeks. Imagine the film Cemetery Man without any nuance. The director of the film was Jeff Broadstreet. He also directed the next film in this episode, Night of the Living Dead 3D Reanimation. Believe me, I have a lot to say about that one too. However, he was an executive producer on one of my favorite documentaries, American Grindhouse. The only cast members of note are Sid Haig and Greg Travis. Sid Haig took on the role of Gerald Tovar Jr., the Messiah Complex-driven head of the funeral home. Haig does his best with the material, the genre legend he is. Greg Travis, who played Harry Cooper, also appeared in cult classics Showgirls, Starship Troopers, and Watchmen. As Harry Cooper, Travis hams it up as the redneck free spirit. Night of the Living Dead 3D fails to do anything interesting with the original film. Despite the presence of professionals like Travis and Haig, this one is forgettable, and yet yielded enough success to warrant a sequel. There must be a hundred bodies in here. Give me a shotgun. What, what are we walking into here? I'm sticking my shoulder. Prodigal brother returns. Terrell Harold. What brings you back? I need money, Joe. You also offer cremations here, don't you? You know, we we don't uh, we don't do too much of that. Dad's old fridge. You caught me at a real bad time. Daddy had a side business going for years. So. Government deal, medical waste. Can you think you want to know my problems? And I'll tell you. I like dead people. He had it in his will to be cremated, but I didn't do it. Maggots. For the funeral. 
have to replace the bones with PVC pipe. That's desecration! Why would you put a metal cage in front of the back door of a crematorium? Christy, that ain't him. Just a corpse in a Russell suit. Night of the Living Dead 3D reanimation takes place shortly after the events of the previous Night of the Living Dead 3D. The son of Gerald Tovar, apparently, has taken over the facility. Zombies continue to resurrect, but not not because this uh, Gerald Tovar also suffers from a messiah complex, but he is a pyrophobe and hates to use the crematorium. He frequently monitors the crematorium where the bodies are piled up and are coming back. Gerald's brother, Harold, returns at the news of their father's passing. Harold has an ulterior motive and is in desperate need of cash. At the same time, you have a new hire trying to adapt to the work environment and a scheduled visit from a right-wing politician. Night of the Living at 3D Reanimation is another lackluster effort from director Jeff Broadstreet, following up from Night of the Living Dead 3D. The film repeats itself with the father of Gerald Tovar Jr. being a zombie. Adding to the confusion is Andrew Divoff, having the same name as the Sid Haig character, or is the zombified father supposed to be Sid Haig, but they recast that character with another actor? I don't know, and I can't be asked to care. The film does some very shallow political satire, Making fun of Fox News requires such little effort and comes off as grabbing for low-hanging fruit. Same for the Sarah Palin surrogate, which was done way better in Iron Sky. Making the joke of Dick Cheney being a zombie was better executed by MyEverything.com. Mr. President, uh, in your recent budget, just to make sure I understand, you're asking for a $50 billion emergency defense supplemental to protect America from zombies. I believe this is the great challenge of the 20, beginning of the 21st century. Zombies who eat brains, just so I know we're on the same page here. That's, that's, that's what they do. That's what they've said they want to do. They have objectives. With all due respect, Mr. President, are you sure this wasn't a, a movie you saw? I mean, why? Because they're real. Yeah, but why is that? Zom- it's a danger to the American people. It's a danger to your children, Jim. Sorry, my name is Barry. Uh, Chen. No, uh, Barry. Ed. It's berry. Just think of blueberry or strawberry. That way you'll always remember it. Uh, thanks, Ed. Uh, they are a direct threat to the United States, and, and I'm going to keep talking about it. The zombies. You say they're eating our brains. They need to be eating U.S. beef. It's good for them. There is also this trying-too-hard feeling about this film with references to zombie movies. One of the characters is Christine Forrest, the name of Romero's ex-wife. The funeral home is set in Hensmanville, named after Bill Hensman, the actor who played the first zombie in the original film. Use of footage from Night of the Living Dead and White Zombie. There is a worm-eye zombie, but less detailed than in Lucio Fulci's film. Harold lists the events of the Romero trilogy as historical incidents. There are some moments that could be seen as attempts at 3D. Uh, you have zombies reaching to the camera. 
objects close up to the camera, blue screen effects that pop. I couldn't help but think of the Dr. Tongue sketches from SCTV. Andrew Divoff is way above this material. He is a great actor. Not just with Wishmaster. This guy was in Hunt for Red October, Toy Soldiers, and Air Force One. He does his best with Gerald Tovar Jr., very much like Sid Haig. Like I said before, I don't know if Divoff is supposed to be Haig's character or the, the son of Haig's character. It, it just doesn't, I, I can't figure that out. If you want to know why this film is called Reanimation, look no further than the casting of Jeffrey Combs. The man made his name in the horror classic Reanimator. Combs plays Harold as a two-dimensional right-winger that has actually aged better given the recent de-evolution of the far right. Night of the Living at 3D Reanimation is another one you can honestly skip, despite the presence of horror vets like Divoff and Combs. References and bad sats hire does not a good movie make. Maybe Broad Street should just stick with producing documentaries. In 2015, we welcome you back to an animated treatment of a horror classic. is visiting her family grave at the city cemetery while talking on the phone with her brother Johnny. Suddenly she is attacked by a ghoul. Meanwhile, Johnny is in in his apartment when a plane crashes into the building he's living in. Nothing like starting your zombie movie with 9-11 imagery. Barbara makes her way through the city into a brownstone apartment. She soon meets Ben, another survivor. He begins to fortify the apartment when Harry Cooper and other survivors appear from hiding. The film quickly breezes through the plot beats of the original film. Instead of arguing over staying upstairs or hiding in the basement, the conflict is over staying on the roof or staying indoors. The fact that the film takes place in winter makes staying outside actually a stupid argument. Also, the windows of the apartments are above the ground, so the only object needing fortification was the front door. Just one door to protect. Then the zombies break in and everybody makes for the street. From there, it all goes downhill. Night of the Living Dead, Darkest Dawn, feels like an hour-long PlayStation cutscene. The quality of animation is lower than that of the original Resident Evil 2, which is surprising considering the directors of the film, Zebediah DeSoto, was known for his productions with Dread Central, and Christian Majdik, I'm I'm sorry if I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but uh, Majdik, uh, who worked on the special effects for recent Marvel films, Endgame and Infinity War. The cast of the film features some great horror talent. Danielle Harris and Sidney Tamia Poitier of Tarantino's Death Proof. You also have Romero vets like Tony Todd, Joseph Pilato, and Bill Mosley. But they all give low-energy, even tired performances. I'm going to pin that on these actors and actresses, 
being used to physical acting as opposed to voice acting. Danielle Harris, who we saw previously in See No Evil 2, may be best known for her turns in the 80s Halloween entries. Her Barbara is passive, paling in comparison to the likes of Judith O'Day and Patricia Tolman. Tony Todd reprises the role of Ben. I'm almost certain the film recycles audio from the 1990 Night of the Living Dead remake. There's an echo quality to the first lines we hear from Ben, but the rest of the lines were definitely newly recorded by Todd. That humility that was part of his turn as Ben in 1990 is absent here. In the film's events, they flesh out Ben's backstory. His wife is ill with not long left to live and struggling to cope with raising his son as a single father. Then a tanker truck crashes into the diner, killing his wife and his child. Both a callback to the original film and a cheeky Resident Evil 2 reference. Joseph Pilato, remembered for his iconic turn as Captain Rhodes in Day of the Dead, is Harry Cooper, but he plays it more like Tom Tolles than Carl Hardman. Every line is yelled, rarely does he deliver a line in a normal tone. For a 2015 animated movie, Night of the Living Dead, Darkest Dawn, leaves too much to be desired to remotely recommend. Solid talent, but they can't elevate the film above the crude-looking execution. While only an hour long, it is still not worth your time. to spread through blood-on-blood content. The sufferers are extremely violent. Hello? Is there anyone there? Based on the classic film Night of the Living Dead. Ready or not, here they come. Again. Resurrection. Look for it on DVD. Zombies are coming back to life and eating the living in a small town in West Wales. The attacks begin at a small convenience store where a passerby is chomped on, then bites the other people nearby. Ben stops at the scene before he drives off and heads into the country. Ben makes his way into a remote area after night has fallen when he runs out of gas. He gets out and makes his way on foot. He comes up to a random farmhouse. He cautiously approaches the front door and opens the mail hatch. Suddenly, he is blasted with a shotgun by one of the people hiding in the house. There, the film follows a middle-class British family struggling with the horror facing them. Relatives are dying and attacking each other. We get a zombie baby. The film ends with a military unit right out of 28 days later. Scratch that. 28 Days Later is too nice of a comparison. Think of the Terminators from The Killing Edge. The military unit takes the surviving women with them. Night of the Living Dead Resurrection is another example of a film that blatantly abuses the title of the original film. It is a plotting, slow-moving film that tricks itself into thinking it's breaking any new ground. The introduction of Ben and his quick demise is essentially the director and co-writer James Plum telling the audience that the shock ending of the original film was rubbish. 
This is a torn poster moment akin to The Evil Dead or Any Gun Can Play. The film is also tone inconsistent. The opening feels like a mix of slacker comedy, but is out of place in context to the rest of the film. Imagine Shaun of the Dead, but lacking any wit or ingenuity. The only character of note is Ben, played by Suli Rimi. Rimi has appeared in many other films and TV, but none that I'm familiar with. I'm, I'm just going to cut this short. The movie is painfully boring. I can't emphasize this enough. This is just another one. Don't waste your time. Because there are so many other variations on Night of the Living Dead, I'm just going to give you some shorter reviews. Starting with the infamous 30th anniversary edition of Night of the Living Dead, this version of the film took the original and added newly shot scenes with new characters under the direction of original co-writer John Russo. I saw this in a video store when I was 15 and saw the Anchor Bay logo. Then I thought, oh cool, they found new footage from the uh, cutting room floor of the original. But no, it was like newly shot footage. The only significant element to this version is it features Debbie Rashan as a news reporter. For me, the biggest crime the film commits is the ending. The ending has the zombies wiped out, which flies in the face of the original trilogy, essentially erasing Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Next, there is Night of the Living Dead Rescored. The band Ogre took the original film and created their own music score for it. The score itself is far from the original. The opening credit music blatantly rips off the theme from Lucio Fulci's Zombie by Fabio Frizzi.
rest of the score is discount John Carpenter fare that just doesn't fit this film. Lastly, there is Night of the Living Dead Reanimated. 150 artists took snippets of the original film and recreated that moment using a type of animation. You have hand-drawn, you have still images, you have still drawings, puppets, claymation. They use this media to bring these scenes in a new light. I would say beside the 1990 Tom Savini remake, this is one that I recommend you seek out. Now this is how you respect a public domain film, and I would love to see these these animators give treatment to other public domain films. Imagine Manos the Hands of Fate reanimated. That would be amazing. And that wraps up this episode of Mac and the Movies. Thanks for listening. Are there any other versions of Night of the Living Dead that I missed out on? Uh, Feel free to let me know in the comments or on social media. Next time on the show, we will be looking at the insane independent animated films of Bill Plimpton. I'll be reviewing his Plimpton shorts, The Tune, I Married a Strange Person, Mutant Aliens, Hair High, Idiots and Angels, and Cheatin'. I've noticed I've been late with recent episodes, and I'm going to be busy this month with prior commitments. The Bill Plimpton episode will drop on the first Friday of March, March 5th. If you like this content and would like to see the program grow, a one-time donation via PayPal or Venmo would be greatly appreciated. You can find me on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I stream on Twitch. Currently, I'm continuing Wasteland 3 and revisiting Dead Island. You can check out my schedule on my Twitch channel. Feel free to join me sometime. All of that in the description box below. Until next time, this is Mackenzie Lambert from Mac and the Movies, signing off. They're out of their minds. You bunch of yo-yos!